Good morning, Father. Thank you very much for an opportunity to gather today and to celebrate you and what you've done, to celebrate the many gifts that you've given us, to, to come together and encourage each other and lift each other up. I pray, dear God, today that you would release a spirit of intercession, a spirit of prayer. I pray, Lord God, that you would shift the struggle um, from, the, from the solution to the problem, that we would not struggle with prayer, but that we would struggle in prayer. I pray, dear God, that you would help that idea rest deep within our souls. And I pray that when we're done today, that this is a room, a church, and a community filled with some serious praying people. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. You guys can have a seat. We have uh, our kids' church in with us today. We like to have, we call it family church, and we like to do this to give our kids an opportunity to be with their parents during worship. We feel like it builds, um, builds a, uh, a relationship as a family with God, and we think that's really important. Uh, so boys and girls, are you there? Are there any boys and girls that are in kids' church or out there? Could you just say something like, hi? Hi. There's some over here. All right. I mean, I think there's coloring sheets in the back. I was going to get one, but I can't stay inside the lines, so I didn't get one. But anyway, I know you'll be good today. Really enjoyed that prayer. Was that Emma who prayed to start us off? That was great. So thank you very much. So good to have all of you. Welcome to Ordinary Faith on this Memorial Day weekend. And as uh, Pastor Steve pointed out, uh, we are talking about how to change everything. And um, we are in the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel and kind of his life. And uh, I'm really having a lot of fun with it. But uh, today we're going to dig into actually how to change everything in your life. And, and I'm not even kidding. And uh, so what I hope to give you today is a, a proper focus on what prayer can look like and how it can be a big part of your life. And as Christians, this is one that I've, I think sometimes people get surprised by this. But I don't know if you know this or not, but Christians are kind of known for praying. It's kind of our thing. Okay, just it's a thing we do, you know, because we know it's powerful. And so today we're going to talk about uh, how that as as a Christian in your life, in your workplace, in your relationships, in your family, you have bigger answers that other people don't have access to. And you need to realize that you have access to something that most people do not have access to. And so we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at how God changes things through prayer I want to be honest about the struggle with prayer. I want to be really honest. In fact, that's, that's something we like to do a lot is dig into the struggles that we have and talk about them honestly, not pretend like that they're not there. Some of you in this room right now probably think prayer doesn't really work. I mean, I've all, I have certainly been in seasons of my life that I'm like, man, I'm not sure that this is helping because sometimes the answer does not come in my time frame. And here's the problem with that. When you start praying for something that you need in your life and in your family, and the answer tarries, it, it delays in coming, what happens is there's a deception in that, and instead of struggling in prayer for the answer that you need and to overcome the problem that you have, you begin to struggle with prayer, thinking it's not actually helpful or useful. And you begin to start to believe the lie that if it is to be, it's up to me. It sells books, but it's a lie. It's not true. And so as Christians, we realize that things are bigger than that. You get to a place where you think God doesn't care about you. Sometimes God seems silent to us, and we think he's ignoring us, or he's out there not really engaged 
with, with our lives. But the problem with that is, guys, we don't truly understand the nature of our relationship with God. When we, we come to God as believers, we, our relationship with God changes and you don't relate to God the same way you relate with a friend, even though Jesus is a friend of sinners, as the old hymn goes. There's a different way that relationship works. Prayer is a key part, a foundational part of that, and you end up thinking that you're on your own. And even if answers to prayer do come, what happens is because God doesn't answer the prayers that you in the way that you think he should have, you begin to think that you did it. You begin to take credit for God's work and miracles in your life. So my goal today is to move us from a place of struggling with prayer to struggling in prayer. Realizing that God has timing, that God is sovereign, that God has a way that he does, he provides for things, that God has a will, that God has a plan. And prayer involves us with God in a way, partners us with God in a way that's sometimes a little difficult to comprehend. So I hope by the time we're done today, we, we, we realize that prayer is a process, and that process is a process in which God is moving and you are changing. Remember that. Prayer is a process in which God is moving and you are changing. Prayer is going to help you see God's work, God's plan, God's will in your life. Prayer builds up the kind of people that can handle God's vision for their lives. Okay, so we're going to look at Elijah a little bit today. The Bible says in James 5, 17, maybe you're a little familiar with this passage. It says, Elijah was an, a human as we are. He's ordinary like you. We read his story, you know, we see this mega prophet and like, man, Elijah was awesome, but he was just someone like you. He's a human as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield his crops. So where we're coming into the story today is Elijah, just after the mic drop moment. We talked about it last week. He had prayed, they had built altars, made a swimming pool basically of water, put some cattle on there, and then Elijah prayed and God did, boom, and there's fire, and it licks up the rocks and the water and the dirt, and there's a smoldering priest of Baal off to the side. I just love that image, so I thought I'd share it again. And uh, God just answered that prayer. So we're coming in the story right after this instantaneous answer to prayer. This is important to catch because the story tells us a lot about prayer, which is why James latched on to the story of Elijah. Because you have this miraculous, instantaneous, mic drop answer to prayer, then you have another kind of answer to prayer. You've got to remember, as you think about Elijah's prayer life, and you think about what happened, Elijah's exposing evil in this story. Elijah's exposing evil. God's the one who, didn't, who held back the rain for three and a half years. God's the one who called for that. Why? Because Baal, the God that the nation of Israel had decided to worship, they worshipped him as a God of the weather and of harvest and a God of immorality, which we didn't go into the details, and we probably shouldn't today since the kids in here are in here, as to what kinds of things were going on to worship this particular God that they were worshiping. But it was very immoral, ungodly, and murder was involved, okay? So 
Elijah has come, and, and he says it's not going to rain, and now the, the god of the weather, Baal, can't get rain to this little ordinary Elijah dude. This guy who's a nobody, this god can't get past. And so God's about to do something through Elijah and through prayer to reveal and basically drowned faith in Baal. Drowned it, kill it, by sending a rainstorm that Baal could never bring. So that's where we're at in the story. What I want us to learn from this is that Elijah prayed with confidence. When you see Elijah pray, he prays with confidence. What I want to notice about that is the average Christian today does not pray with confidence. They pray as beggars. They pray as beggars. You say, well, Michael, shouldn't we do that? God is great. God is your father. He has made you his son and the bride of Christ, okay? He's made you those things. You are not beggars. You're part of the family. You have authority. Jesus said, all authority is given to me, so therefore you. You go out and do things, okay? And so you have to remember this. So Elijah prayed with confidence And we pray as beggars, so let's change that. So how do we change it? How do we change everything? How do we change our lives? How do we change our world? How do we change the evil? How do we stop the evil? These are things that the the church of Jesus has got to not just wrestle with, but answer. Because we are here to be salt and light. We're here to change this world that we live in. We're here to bring it to God and rescue it from darkness. This is why we exist. (laughs) we're not just a club who comes together and sings our little club songs and tells each other go out and have a good week that's not who we are that's the huddle that's the you ever played football you ever watch football i mean before they ruined football when people actually got hurt in the game They would, they would come together, they would huddle, they would talk about, they would give the play, and they would execute the play. So today we're in huddle, so we can go out this week and execute the play. And the play for the week is prayer, okay? So, 1 Kings 18.41, right after mic drop moment, right after fires come and everybody's stunned, and there's 800, 850 prophets of Baal and other gods dead on the ground. Right after that, Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Hadn't rained in three and a half years. Elijah hears something that no one else can hear. He's hearing in a spiritual way. So Ahab went to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. And look what he did. And he bowed low to the ground. And he prayed with his face between his knees. The first thing you have to see about prayer is that prayer is about humility, and humility changes things. Humility will change things in your life. What is humility? Well, I'll tell you one thing it is. It's the opposite of independence. It's the opposite of self-sufficiency. You see, the reason we struggle with prayer It's because we want to believe that we're smart enough or strong enough or good enough or something enough to handle this life. This life, and that's absurd because this world that you live in is corrupt and broken and dark and under assault. 
Very few Americans realize that we were born into a world at war. Where darkness and light are in a, a vicious fight with each other. And so we, we, like, we go through life thinking, man, I can figure this out. I can do it. And I hear myself saying it all the time. I just need to figure this out. And then there's the voice of the Spirit in the back of my head that says, what you need to do is talk to me. What you need to do is be in prayer. What you need to do is talk to your Father. What you need to do is, is enter into that place that Jesus put you in, that heavenly place, according to Ephesians 1, the, the mission control of the universe. That's where we need to go. You see, when you bow a knee in prayer, you are not going down. You are stepping up. You are rising up to a higher place, a place of authority. That's what humility will get you. In fact, James addressed this in James chapter 5. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Then look at the next sentence. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Michael, I'm not sure I'm following you. Confession of sin, righteous person are connected ideas in James' mind. You confess your sins to one another and pray for each other, that's your pathway into the righteous person who gets answers in prayer. Not your own ability to be righteous. You and I don't have that ability. What we have is the power of God's Holy Spirit that empowers us to be righteous. How do you, how do you receive and walk in that power? Through humility. You step low and you get filled up. You, you bow down and you step up. And so James saw that, and by the way, every time I've read that verse, you know, confess your sins one to another. I'm like, uh, I'm not going to that church service. <sighs> We're going to have sin confession night. Come on out, everybody. I wouldn't even come. If I invited you, I wouldn't come. I don't want to. You. Why? <laughs> because... Because of our dependence on ourselves, righteousness comes by faith, by confession of sin, by repentance. Confession of sin and repentance are two different things, by the way. Confession of sin is agreeing with God that the thing is wrong. Repentance of sin is to rise up and see the sin as, as the, in the way that God sees it. You ever heard of the term penthouse? That's, that word's connected to the word repentance. It, it kind of means to think higher, to step higher in your thinking. So confession says God's right and I'm wrong. Repentance says I can see the damage of my sin in the way that God sees it and I agree with him. Steps higher. And so this is the pathway to righteousness. is through confession and repentance. James goes on and says in James 4, the chapter before that, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. You see, humility is critical because what humility does is it helps us realize that we can never be our own God. You might be a wonderful person, but you're a lousy God. And you can never be your own God. You can never be the answer to your own prayers. You can never be the answer to your own prayers. I don't care what book you read that said that. You can't be it. And so you need a God, and that's where humility comes in. Now, another thing I see about this, where's Leonard? Leonard, raise your hand. He's raising his hand. I know you can't see him. He's a little short. 
Yeah, I've offended Leonard. <laughs> if you were trying to guess a winner of a fight, and let's say I really did upset Leonard, I hope not because I am scared of him because my knees already hurt. Sorry, Leonard. I know. I'm sorry. If he weren't such a good Joe, I'd be in trouble. Um, but if we were going to have a fight and Leonard stood up up here, and I, you know, I'm 6'1", Leonard's not quite that. He's like 5'9", 5'10", 4'9", 4'10". And if you were to, to like make a wager, I mean, I know you don't believe in that, but still, you make a wager on who's going to win the fight, you would see me in my glorious 270-something pound frame and Leonard and his massive, tough, gristly, 96-pound uh, frame. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, sorry. and you would go, you know, all Michael's got to do is fall on him, and that fight's over. If he trips, he's going to win. <clears throat> That's what you would think, because you look at a fight on this earth, and you see who has the tools of the horizontal, the tools of the world we live in, and you think they're going to win. But now, if Leonard pulls out a shotgun, maybe a short one, I didn't even mean that. It wouldn't matter. Now all of a sudden the game has changed. It doesn't matter how big I am. He's got a weapon. You as a Christian have a weapon that your enemy, the devil, does not have access to. Do you understand that? Satan can't pray to God to get his will accomplished and get Satan's will. He has no access outside of himself. You have access to the throne of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but you and God, that, con- com- that constitutes a deadly duo right there. That, that is an unbeatable force when you and God are on the same page. So you have to remember you have access to something that the enemy doesn't have access to. Prayer is your weapon. It taps into the root of everything. I believe from the bottom of my soul, I believe that everything that you see with your eyes that's going on in the world that you can taste, touch, receive with your senses, all of that stuff started in the supernatural place, started in eternity and progressed into this world. That's what I believe. I believe we see that in creation. The, the whole universe exists because God, who's in eternity, who's existed forever and will exist forever, he had an idea and began to speak that into existence. I believe everything you see in this world came from another place, a place that isn't physical, that isn't natural, but is supernatural. When I begin to pray, I begin to access and move from that place. If every problem in your life starts in a supernatural place and you try and fix the problem in your strength in this realm, you have a problem because the root of the problem exists in a place you're not going. Does that make sense? So prayer takes me to where the root is. This applies easily. You got challenges in your marriage. Every, did you know every marriage has challenges? Chris and I have been married for 35 years. We've never had a fight. That was a lie. (laughs) And if you're sitting there going, well, my husband and I or my wife and I, we never fight. You need counseling right now. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Okay. Those, those relational problems begin in a supernatural place. And so if you're not praying for your marriage, and, and if I could just be so bold, if you are not praying together as a married couple, God made you to be one. And so praying together is incredibly powerful. 
Especially since Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. If you agree with prayer and other people, it's going to be done. And so when you pray together as spouses, you tap a very powerful place where the root of your problems lie. So if you're having marriage struggles, you need to start where the problem starts. So go after it in prayer. But it applies everywhere. Financial problems start in a supernatural place. Uh, children that you don't know what to do with. I know that everyone in this room knows what to do with their children, but it's a little padded closet we had in our house. Velcro on the walls, and we put Velcro suits on them, rub them down, and go to dinner. Say, like, Michael, that's awful. It's a joke. It's a joke. People find out and turn you in. It's not cool. Your problem's as a parent and the answers that you don't have to. I I think it's hilarious that God makes novices into parents. (laughs) By the time you are no longer a novice, you're a grandparent and you're not doing it anymore. You're like, I'm not doing that. I did my time. Let's have fun now. Get out to candy. I love grandkids. Send them home. They're being naughty. Send them home. Anyway. Sorry, I might just be having a little fun there at your expense. So anyway. The thing is, I'm encouraging you that humility gets us in a place that we can be heard, that we can get answers to prayer, and prayer is a place that we begin to fight things at their root, which is in the eternal and the supernatural. Humility changes things. You're not your own answer. As soon as you know that, you can make progress. 1 Kings 18.43 Then Elijah said to his servant, Go and look out to the sea. And the servant went and looked, and then he returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. Elijah, we've already heard him say to Ahab, I hear the sound of a mighty rainstorm. Elijah hears and sees something that no one else can hear and see. And he has a servant with him whose his job is to be the the guy to go see it. So so he can tell Elijah. Elijah's job is to focus on prayer. And what I see in this text is clarity. I see Elijah had clarity from the beginning. Elijah didn't just think up one day. He wasn't just sitting. I don't know what Elijah did before he was a prophet, you know, but he wasn't just sitting around hanging out with God and thinking, you know, you know what would be cool? I should make it stop raining for three and a half years. That didn't come from Elijah. That wasn't Elijah's idea. God gave that idea to Elijah. He knew what God wanted from the beginning. And he knew that through spending time with God and through praying to God and and asking God what God wanted to do. So the Bible says in Matthew 6.10, it says, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus teaching us how to pray. And in teaching us how to pray, he's telling us, Hey, God wants stuff that happens in heaven to be happening on earth. And your job is to be praying for God's stuff in heaven to be happening on this world that's corrupt, that's broken, that's dark. Your job is to bring heaven stuff to earth. Okay, that's, that's part of our job. But to do that, we need clarity. We have to start asking God questions like, hey God, what do you want to do? I know what I want to do. I'd like to be rich really comfortable, slim, and eat whatever I want. I mean, anyway, these are just my prayer list. <laughs> I know what I want to do, but what does heaven want to do? 
And I need clarity on that. I can't just come up with something to do for God. I think this has been the greatest failure of Christendom in the last hundred years as we keep coming up with stuff to do for God. We have to find things that come from God. I can't just enforce my will on the earth and and say, God, bless it. That's not, that's going to come down eventually. That's something that's shakable and will be shaken because everything will. So I have to come at this from a different angle. I need to see things differently. I, I need to be like Elijah and I need to stop seeing all these Bible characters as exceptional people and see them as examples. I think this is really important. I think we read the Bible characters and we look at the amazing things that happen in their lives and we put them over here and go, well, I could never be that. So I'm just going to live over here with zero expectation and I'm afraid to ask God to do anything in my life that I need or that I think he might want because I'm not special. The day Jesus Christ died on a cross and, and was put in a tomb and then rose from that tomb for you, you became very special. Because God determined your value by the blood and sacrifice of his own son. Not by your efforts or your intellect or your birth or any of those things. And so we need to realize that God wants to do things in our life. We need some clarity and that if Elijah can go to God and get big answers to prayer, so can Michael, so can Christy, so can Steve, so can Bruce, so can uh, Leonard, so can Leonard. Leonard, you're a special guy. Thank you. I know you didn't have a choice. You don't know what you want because you don't ask God for it. Do you hear James' words? You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. People pray to the God they really worship themselves. I don't care what labels over the door. When we look at ourselves, we're our own God. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong, you only want what will give you pleasure. We need to start listening and asking. Prayer is a conversation. It's not a monologue. Prayer is a lot more than a list of things you need God to do. It's a lot more than a prayer list. And and I'm going to talk about that just a little bit, because I do believe in prayer lists, and I believe they can be powerful. But what I want to encourage you to do is learn how to partner with God, not fight Him. When you pray and you're struggling in prayer, you're not fighting with God. Do you hear me? If you need a miracle, it's not God who's holding out on you. If you need a blessing and an answer to prayer, it's not God up there in heaven going, ah, I only got a couple of these left. Only got a few miracles left. I better save them for later when they're really important. Your father loves you. He is for you. You know that, right? He is for you. I mean, if <laughs> I, I don't know if God like gets up and cheers in heaven for you. Maybe he delegates that to the angels. I just know that you have a cheer squad somewhere. That wants to see you succeed and wants to see you accomplish the best thing for your life, which is his will and purpose. He knows what's best for you. He knows what he made you for. Did you know that? Every child that comes on this planet, God put here for a purpose. 
And you are here for a purpose. God's in your corner. You know he's good. You and God constitutes a majority. And you add a community to that prayer life. I mean, you praying with the Father, you had some people around you who pray, you got a recipe for some change. Humility changes everything. Clarity changes everything. What does God want? Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Oh, my goodness. Any of, any of you in this room have a mother? <clears throat> Did she ever tell you to do things over and over and over again? I mean, like, clean your room. Oh, my gosh, you're a broken record. I'll clean it after I move out. Here's Elijah telling the servant, I want you to go see if you see any rain coming. Seven trips. The Bible likes that number seven. God likes it. Seven trips he makes out to the very top. Elijah's praying, the Elijah's looking. Finally! I don't know who wrote this down, but they threw in that word, finally. Maybe it was the servant testifying. He goes, seven trips, I was so tired. (laughs) Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud. Can I stop running now? Oh no, that's not in the text. About the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. God wanted to stop the rain. God wanted to send fire from heaven and destroy that altar. God wanted to send the rain. These are things that God wanted and planned to do. At the altar where Elijah just smoked all the prophets of Baal, quite literally, it was instant. Bam! God, fire, boom. Awesome. God wanted to do it. On Mount Carmel, we got seven hikes up the mountain. The answer at Mount Carmel, at the the show-off, was instant. The answer of the rain was delayed. Same God. God still wanted to answer the prayer. God wanted to do the thing. God planned to send the rain. But one prayer is instant, and one prayer required persistence. Jesus tried to teach us this. In Matthew 7, 7, he says to us, keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on, what's that word? And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Jesus said, persist. Don't just pray. Persist. Keep praying. Don't quit praying. Seven trips up that mountain. And and six of those trips, nothing. Why is God like this? I mean, really? Well, He's not an ATM. God's not an ATM. You don't just walk up, enter your pen, find out you have no money in the bank. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, that's a personal experience. You don't walk up to God and just say, hey, this is, he's, he's not Santa Claus. You don't send in a wish list. That's not what prayer is. There are things that play in the universe. There are things going on we're going to talk about in just a minute. But you and I have to prepare for persistence. So that problem, that battle that you're fighting in your life, or the one you just finished, and maybe you're in a peaceful time now, but don't worry, another one's coming. When it shows up, are you prepared to keep praying? 
Are you prepared to stop struggling with prayer and start struggling in prayer? To start fighting the battle in the place that matters. Because guys, getting good, what's truly good, from heaven into a world that's dark and at war and is broken and corrupt is a miracle. It takes the hand of God to get it done. This is not an easy task before us. So persistence is going to change things. And here's why. Why is the answer sometimes delayed? There's this passage in Daniel that gives us an insight. It's, it's really kind of incidental to the storyline, but it shows you a big a picture glimpse, an eternal glimpse of what's going on when you pray. So the Bible says in Daniel 10, 12, Daniel's talking to an angel. And the angel says to Daniel, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Since the first day. Daniel had been waiting three weeks, 21 days. He'd been waiting for God to answer and he continued to persist in prayer. And the first word out of his mouth, God heard. You need to know that. When you open your mouth in prayer, God's listening. He hears it. The first word. You are not trying to break through to him. He's in tune with you. He is not the problem. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. That'll mess with your theology right there. That will change the way you look at the world in which you live. That there is an enemy at play that's able to hinder the intent and the message of God from getting to God's servant. That's why I'm telling you, you are in a world at war. There's a battle going on you can't see. And the strongest, most powerful thing you can do to overcome is to pray. I know it's a four-letter word, especially to the enemy. He hates it when you pray. Because he can't pray. And so when you pray, there's a battle going on. The darkness is pushing back. That's one issue that's happening. There's a battle in the, the heavenlies. Second issue that's happening. I love the Apostle Paul's struggle in 2 Corinthians 12. It's one of my fa- favorite passages, and I would love to tell you that I understand it, but I do not. It, it creates for me a whole lot of uh, internal conflict, if you will. Paul had an issue, and everyone in the world has theorized what his issue was. From blindness to a thorn in his flesh that was a person, to, you know, health. I mean, just all kinds of things, you know, that's been theorized. Paul doesn't tell us. All I know is Paul didn't like it, and he wanted it to go away. And I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says each time he prayed, he says he prayed about it three times. He says, The answer he got, God's answer was, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then he says, so now I'm glad. (laughs) My grace is all you need. God, I got this thorn in the flesh. My grace is all you need. My power thrives in weakness. What I love about this is Paul did it three times. The apostle Paul, the guy commissioned to carry the gospel to the Gentiles, three times goes to God, gets the same answer all three times. What does that tell me? It tells me it's okay to keep asking God about things that I don't really love the answer to. 
I don't know what his thorn was, but I do know this. Whatever it was, it turned Paul into the kind of believer that changed everything. You see, sometimes there's a battle waging in the heavenlies, and that delays the answers to prayer. Sometimes the saint that's praying has to learn something. Sometimes you are not the person yet you need to be to enter into the vision, purpose, and promise God has for your life. The only way to grow in that is through a conversation That's me talking and me listening. A conversation, that's what prayer is, with God. Sometimes a battle in the heavenlies. Sometimes the servant needs to learn. And there's a third reason too, and I don't have a text for this one, but it's simply this. Sometimes God's timing is not your timing. God not only knows what you need and what this world needs, He knows when you need it. Do you understand that? And so so there are those issues that could cause the delay. So you and I need to to pray. We need to to persist in prayer. We need to knock on that door and keep knocking. We need to, to, to wait and keep waiting. We need to know that God is good, that He is faithful. He has a better answer for your prayers than you're asking for. And so we persist. Humility, clarity, persistence. And my last and my favorite is expectation. I hope to make this very practical. So, 1 Kings 18.41, we just read that the servant made the final seventh trip, and it's like he hasn't seen anything six trips, and the seventh trip, he's still a little ticked off. He's like, okay, there's like a little bitty hand way out in the ocean, or on the horizon, and it's coming, just a little bitty cloud, nothing, nothing, nothing. That's what you hear, and that's what I hear in the, the servant's words. As soon as Elijah hears it, here's what he says. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Verse 44, then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. You see, when you know God has given you the thing you're praying for, when you know God wants to do the thing, you don't need much to get real excited about what God's going to do. So as soon as that servant came back and said, you know, it's just a little bitty cloud, Elijah shot up. It's like, all right, it's on. He probably said it's on like Donkey Kong in the Hebrew. Said, it's on. You better tell Ahab if he doesn't get home, he ain't getting home. There's rain coming. Why? Elijah expected God to answer. He didn't know when God was going to answer. Didn't really know how. He just knew it was going to rain. But he, he knew that God wanted to answer. And when he got the first indication that God was going to answer, then everything changes. Now he's not on his knees with his head between his knees anymore. Now he's up and he's moving around in anticipation, preparation for the answer that God is giving. We need to learn to expect God to answer. We need to learn to expect God to answer. How do you do that? Well, 
I believe and I know God answers prayers, your prayers, all the time. And you forget. I have a prayer list that I have in my iPad. It's a note document. I add people's names to it as things come up, take people's names off. I have people I've been praying to for, year, for, for, for years. And I have folks that are on and God answers a prayer. Uh, little example, <clears throat> just, a, just a small one. I know Christy and I look exorbitantly rich, but we're not. <clears throat> and we've been needing a windshield and a set of tires for our pickup truck uh, for a while now. Our windshield's been cracked for about 18 months. And it's on the prayer list. And I'm like, well, I could just, you know, put it on a credit card. And I'm like, nah, God answers prayer. And I want you to know something. We're in a season right now, a special season. I wish I had time to just take this little tangent about what's going on in the world, but I don't. But I'm just telling you, God is moving quickly right now. So I, it's at the top of my list. There's a couple other things, too. It's at the top of my list. Windshield, tires of the truck. <clears throat> Praying for these things, you know. It's not, it's not a lot, what, 1500 bucks or something? Well, I thought it was going to be two grand, but I'm praying. All of a sudden, this, this thing happened. <clears throat> I won't tell you the details of it, but bam, got an extra $2,400 just, just like that, literally overnight. <clears throat> and I'm like, hallelujah, you know, we got a few things we need. So I order the windshield. I go to order the windshield. It's a third of what I thought it was going to be. I replaced this windshield uh, two year, three years ago, uh, Wyoming's rough on windshields. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, anyway, so the first time my camper got it, oh, that's another story. Let me back up. So uh, I th- the first time we replaced it was $400. This was pre-COVID. And I'm like, this is going to be a $600 windshield. I call in, order the windshield, 250 bucks. Then the tires. I had the tires put in a cart because I was praying progressively. I wanted to know what they were. So the cost, put them in the cart in December uh, that I was going to order online, have them brought in and put on. And uh, the tires were almost $900. When I went in, there had been this rollback type price thing. They were $650. So not only did God bless me, he reduced my cost. I could actually tell you stories like that for a long time, those kinds of blessings in our life. Um, Here's the thing. When you put it on a prayer list and you start asking God for it, and then all of a sudden you look and go, well, I don't have to pray for that anymore. That's because God answered the prayer. Then I don't have to pray for that anymore because God answered the prayer. You see, you need to write down things. You need to write down the things God's telling you to pray for. You need not just the things you want. You need to make a list and, and begin to record, create a journal of the things that God's telling you to pray for. And I've got a lot of those right now, some big ones. But then you also need to pray for the stuff you need. God loves you. He wants to meet your needs. He, he wants you to, uh, to enjoy the life he gave you, to enjoy uh, being his servant in the world, to enjoy him. So you should put those things on there. But here's the trick. It's not just keeping the list. It's noticing. It's noticing the answer. You see what happens is we ask God for stuff, He answers, we forget we ask, and then we take credit for His provision. It happens all the time. So it's time to notice. You see, you ask God for $1,000, He might give you a $1,000 check. He might give you $1,000 in $10 increments. He might show you a way that you don't need $1,000 anymore. Your health. Some of you, I mean, many have, are fighting health issues today. 
Maybe, maybe God's going to give you the grace to change the way you live and eat. Maybe he'll bless you in that way. I mean, it would be awesome. I mean, I, and I have heard of miraculous weight losses. And if there was ever a special meeting for that, I would go. I mean, like, yes, pray. <laughs> go in, you weigh 270, you come out, you weigh 170. That'd be great. Everybody's clothes falling off. <laughs> Sign me up. Take a video camera. I'd love it. But often, what God is doing through prayer is He's changing the saint. And He's changing the way they think, and He's building power and strength within them. That's why His power is made perfect in weakness. He is infusing you with His power as you walk the valley of pain and weakness. You see? God answers prayer. It's time to start living like people who expect God to answer prayer. Not just in your life. I love my city. I love Rock Springs. I love Green River. I love these towns. I know a lot of our community leaders. I try and buy them coffee every chance I get just so I can know them and pray for them. I love this city. I want this city to be a city that my kids and my grandkids can enjoy into the future. And if my kids aren't going to be here, your kids and your grandkids can enjoy. But to do that, to do that, we have to bring some heaven to the city. we got to get some stuff that's going on in the heavenlies going on in the earthly. And that is, is it going to take a lot of work? Yes. But human effort's never the answer. Only God's Spirit's the answer. And God's Spirit working in through, through us and empowering us can bring some heaven here. Amen. That's what we need. So I don't know where you're at on this prayer thing right now. You may be sitting there going, well, you know what? If it is to be, it's up to me, and I don't expect anything from God. That is a miserable place to be, and you can be comfortable in this reality. You can expect nothing from God, and He will greatly disappoint you because He reigns on the just and the unjust. He's a good God. No matter how dumb we are, He's still good. Okay? So you can expect nothing if you want to. But what you could also do is you could begin to realize that Father in heaven, Father in you via His Holy Spirit, wants to do great things in your life in our community, and in this world. You can begin to realize that. And then we can begin to pray in a conversation that says, all right, Father, I need some stuff. I can't lie, I need some stuff. I got some broken places and some things that I need. That's good, but then it's also good to stop and go, Father, what do you want? Because not only are you good, you know what's good. Way better than I do. So what do you want to do in my life? And I begin to listen to what the Father's saying, begin to write things down in places I have access to, whether that's journals and phones, somewhere begin to record this journey with God. Please begin to do this because God wants to do great things. He wants, and I pray that today God grants us a spirit of prayer and a willingness to pray because I believe that the problems in our world have to be uprooted in supernatural places. And we need men, women, and children, because there's no junior Holy Ghost, tapping into the Holy Spirit and praying and shaking up things where they need to be shaken. So I pray that this room is filled with that kind of spirit. Worship team, Father, I pray that you would fill us with a spirit and a power in prayer. That you would fill us with an expectation for what God could do. 
Lord, I know this is true. I've seen this so many ways that if we walk out into our world in prayer with you, living a life of prayer, that we begin to see and notice the wonderful and amazing things you do. And Lord, we need this so desperately, a spirit of intercession to settle upon all the people of faith in this city. I pray that you would release this gift, and I pray, Lord, that you would infuse this body today with a living hope that this, this prayer life that they may struggle with can be a prayer life that they struggle in, and they begin to fight battles and win battles and change things through humility and clarity and persistence and expectation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.